We're going to begin to really look at some things today. I want us to get into the Word of God today. I want us to talk a little bit about the assignment of Jesus. What was the assignment of Jesus? Why did Jesus come to the earth? What did he do when he came to the earth? What was God's assignment for his son? What was his assignment? You know, each and every one of us have an assignment of the Lord. Whether you realize it or not, you have a plan, you have a purpose, you have a destiny, you have an assignment of the Lord. Say, I have an assignment. You have an assignment of the Lord. There's something that God wants you to do. There's something, somebody that He wants you to touch. There's some areas that He wants you to influence. And I want us to realize that we have an assignment of the Lord. Now, this is part two of a, of a, I don't know, right now it's a part, it's a two part series. We'll see how I go today. And we'll see if we make it a three part series. But the first part, I just want to review, just touch base a little bit, was the first part of the series when we talked about the assignment of Jesus was for us to look and say, what did God do and where did he restore us? And I took a book from a bookshelf, if you remember that, and God took, and if man fell in the garden and fell and, and fell and fell, man didn't fall out of heaven Man fell in the garden, we lost authority, we lost dominion in the earth. And if man fell from a certain place, and God puts us back in a different place, that's not restitution, it's not restoration. Are you with me? He puts us back where we fell from. Y'all get that? Say, I got it. If you don't, I need to go back over it again. Because what it is, is God puts us back where we fell from. So we realize and understand that as we have been restored in the things of God, we lost authority, we lost dominion, we lost those things in the garden, and God wants to restore us back to his original tent, and that was for dominion. Say dominion. God wanted to restore us back to his original intent. God's not going to take man and put him in heaven. Heaven is a temporary excursion for a human being. Amen? For us that are believers of God. We're, we're going to go to heaven. If we go to heaven, we're going to be with Jesus. And for however long that's going to be, I don't know. But how many of you know we're coming back to the earth to rule and reign? Somebody say rule and reign. So God's restoring us back, and we can begin to look at some scriptures, and I want us to really take a look at that today as we get into it. So you have to realize that there are two opposing kingdoms that are diabolically opposed to each other. There's the kingdom of dark and the kingdom of... Everybody, the kingdom of dark and the kingdom of... And the kingdom of... The kingdom of light. So these kingdoms are at, at conflict with one another. So we understand that everything that we do is either going to be out of the kingdom of darkness or going to be out of the kingdom of light. And God wants us to operate in the kingdom operation and operate in the kingdom of light. Amen? So God's original program was to establish His kingdom on the earth. Matthew chapter 6 says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and and he goes on to tell the disciples about what his kingdom establishment is god's intent was to establish a family of sons and not servants who would establish his kingdom as sons and not subjects you are a kingdom establisher <laughs> let me say that again you are a kingdom establisher say that to your neighbor i'm a kingdom establisher 
You're a kingdom establisher. What do you mean I'm a kingdom establisher? God wants you to establish the kingdom of God in the area of influence, in the places that you go, in the people that you see, at the place where you work at, in your leisure, in your fun times, in those things. God wants you to bring the kingdom of God and influence that. Amen? You got some influence. You might not realize it. You might not think about it. But you have got some influence. So God wants us to begin to establish the kingdom of God. We were established by God to be kings to restore the earth. God wants a relationship and not a religion. God wants us to have a relationship with him and not a religion. How many of you know religions might impress people, but relationships impress God? Amen? You want to impress God? Get closer to him. You want to impress God? You get that relationship worked out with God. God wants you to be closer to Him on Monday than you are today. God wants you to be closer to Him on Thursday than you were on Wednesday. Come on, somebody. God wants you to have that closer relationship with Him. So as we begin to look at and understand, we realize that God's ultimate program was to put you back in the leadership authority in the earth. He wants to put you back in the leadership authority in the earth. Say, I'm a leader. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a leader. leader. Go ahead, tell him, I'm a leader. You know, I heard Joyce Myers one time say, you're leading something, even if you're leading your dog, but you're leading something, amen? You're a leader. And we've got to understand who we are in Christ. We've got to understand that you are a leader, and God wants you to have those leadership abilities to operate in leadership. God's ultimate program was to put you back in leadership. So what does the Bible say who we are? And that's what I want us to look at real quickly. I've got Romans chapter 8. You don't have to turn to it. I'm going to put it up here for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, All those who are being led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Say, I'm a son of God. You are a son of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus. That's what my Bible tells me. I don't know if you read yours, but when I read mine, it tells me that I'm a son of God. So you're joint heirs with Jesus. Here's a scripture. Write this one down. I want you to look it up. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. You look it up later. Because here's what I want you to understand. See, when we connect, when you connect with God, you connect with God, you become a son of God. Come on, somebody. When I connect with God, when I connected with God, I no longer was the son of the devil. Now I'm a son of God. Amen? Oh, I don't know about you, but I was a pretty good son of the devil. Come on, we're in church here today. It's okay. I, I, I was, you know what? When I was living out in the world, I was really good at that. I don't know about you. I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about me. Amen? So tell your neighbor, say, he's not talking about you. You know, he's just talking about himself, you know. I, I was pretty good at that. I spent 20, 21 years living for the devil, and I've spent more than that now living for God. Woohoo! Hallelujah! Amen! Things have changed, and the tide has turned, and I've got to realize that I am a son of God. So I've connected with God. The Bible also tells us that when we're a son of God, guess what? You become a new creature, a new species of being. So I'm here to tell you today that it doesn't matter what you've been doing or what you've done. 
If you've been smoking dope, if you've been lying, you've been cheating, you've been stealing, you've been gossiping, you've been slandering your neighbor, it doesn't matter because when you connect with God, those things are going to go away. You're going to operate in the righteousness of God and you are going to become that new creature, that new species of being because you now connect with the government of God and you become a son of God. Woo, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that kind of gets me excited. That You know what? I got a father that's on the throne. And my brother, his name is Jesus. I heard I heard one time somebody say, when the devil comes and knocks on your door, you just tell him, hold on just a second. You're going to get your brother Jesus. Jesus, go answer the door for me. You're a son of God. Say, I'm a son of God. Now, if you're, if you're, if you're a girl, it's okay to say, I'm a daughter of God. Say that. I'm a, I can't get that out of my mouth. But you girls, can you say, you what? I'm a daughter of God. You're a daughter of God. We're sons and daughters of God. So we begin to look at that and we begin to realize that the, not only with the assignment of Jesus, we needed to know who we are. I, I heard um, Pastor Virginia preach. She basically said that we feel the way we think and we think the way you believe. You feel the way you think and you think the way you believe. And I began to write that down because I began to realize that not only was I a son of God, but how many of you know I'm a citizen in the kingdom of God? Second, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Write that down. Ephesians two nineteen. It says, you are no longer strangers and aliens. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm, you know, the aliens are coming. I'm not a stranger and I'm not an alien, but we are what? fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. I'm of God's household. I used to be of the devil's household, but now I'm of God's household. I don't have to eat in the basement. I can eat at the main table. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm a citizen in the kingdom of God. Not only did I realize that I was a son of God, but also I'm a citizen in the kingdom of God. And the third thing we talked about was we're an ambassador. Say, I'm an ambassador. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It says, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. Recently, I've just gotten a hold of this thing that I've had some people come up to me and, and, and ask me my opinion on some things. And I know they didn't understand what I was saying. But I said, I can no longer answer and give you my opinion. My opinion doesn't matter. Do you know why? Because you know what? Ambassadors never give their opinion. They only give what the Constitution of their government says. Come on, somebody. They're not allowed to give their opinion. So recently somebody came up and asked me about something, and I said, you know what? I can't give you my opinion on that. I don't have an opinion on that. But here's what the Constitution, which is the Bible... Here's what the Constitution says. And I gave them scriptures and said, that's the Constitution of my government, and that's what I'm giving you here today. So, I mean, they were like, well, what, what do you think? Doesn't matter what I think. Well, what do you think about this? Doesn't matter what I think. But my Constitution says. <laughs> and then I give them the Word of God. And say, that's my position of the government. You like it or you don't like it. It doesn't matter to me. That's the position because I'm an ambassador for Christ. And that's what I'm bringing forth in the kingdom of God on the earth. That's my answer. 
So not only are we are son of God, not only are you citizens, fellow citizens, but you're also an ambassador. In Genesis 1.26, God says that we are to have dominion. See, if you don't take charge, it remains under someone else's influence. Ooh, 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 catch that one. Listen, if you don't take charge, it remains under someone else's influence. You need to write that one down. If you don't take charge, it's going to remain under someone else's influence. Well, you know what? We're just not going to get involved. Well, guess what? It's going to get under someone else's influence. Well, you don't understand. I I don't even want to go vote. Guess what? Then you're going to leave it under someone else's influence. If you're a born-again believer, you need to vote. Let me say that again. If you're a born-again believer, you need to exercise the freedom which our forefathers died for. Millions of troops have gone and fought for, for you to have the opportunity to cast a vote, and you need to cast that vote. Amen? I'm not going there. I'm just going to let that rest. Because if you don't, it remains under someone else's influence. God calls us an ambassador. God calls us children, sons of God. God calls us citizens. Amen? So what was Jesus' assignment? He was to restore that back which was lost. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. I want us to begin to look at this very quickly. Because you're a son of God, you're ambassador, you're a citizen, and I want you to realize and understand that God calls you an ambassador. And that your kingdoms, you're a kingdom restoration. God wants kingdom restoration. King is a, is a Hebrew word, mean konig. Restoration, to be restored. Dominion, to have authority, rulership. Look it up. Dominion, terri- dome, king dome. Dome is territory, rulership of an area. And I was sharing with you during this deal that, you know, the, the, the kingdom of God is not a physical place as much as it is a spiritual place, but yet I have dominion and I have authority on my land and my house. Come on, somebody. I'm establishing that. My home, my property is come under the influence of God. The Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, not the God of this world. The Lord of Lord and King of Kings, it's under His influence. My property of my businesses are under the influence of God. Come on, somebody. Where I go, I want to bring it under the influence of God. You you go to Walmart, bring it under the influence of God. You go to United, bring it under the influence of God. You go into the restaurant, bring it under the influence of God. When you walk in that place, things are going to change. I mean, I I got on a a phone conversation this, this past week with a place, with a lady, and she was, I mean, she was nasty to me. She was having a bad day. And I thought, there is no way that I'm going to allow her to change my attitude, to change the way I feel about things. So I began to, I said, you've had a really tough day, huh? She said, you have no idea. I said, honey, let me tell you, I am sorry for that, and I will be lifting you up and praying for you, and I hope you have a blessed day today. I'm believing that after your conversation with me, things are going to change, things are going to shift. And I'm telling you, I went on and on, and and I wasn't preaching, I was just encouraging. I think the Bible calls it exhortation. I was exhorting her. I was lifting her up. And she said, let me put you on hold a minute. 
She put me on hold, and I don't know what happened. But she came back, and she helped me, and we, we finished this conversation. And by the time, you know when you're talking to somebody on the phone, you can hear them smile? By the time I got done, she was smiling. And I believe that, that, that now all of a sudden that phone, oh, oh, that phone conversation came under the influence of God. Whoo, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give him some praise. Amen. It came under the influence of God. I want you to, to come under the influence of God. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 18. I want to give you a little background real quick. I just want to, to, to lay some things down. Jesus, in, in, in the book of Matthew, he was beginning to talk about the rank of the kingdom. The disciples had come to him, and he talked about the rank of the kingdom. And I, I'm just going to read a little bit with you. He had talked a little bit about tribute and, and, uh, of money. He had, he had, the, the, the disciples had come to him, and they tried casting out a demon, and he wouldn't go. And Jesus had said, you know, this one only comes out through prayer and fasting. And he was really telling the disciples that it's a lifestyle in which we need to have. It's a lifestyle of prayer and fasting in which we need to have. And he talked to them a little bit about money. And, and you know, he, he, sent, he sent Peter to get the fish and get his money out and, and, and to give it. And, and then he began to start talking to the disciples in chapter 18 about the rank in the kingdom. Now, here was a discussion. And a lot of times we get into discussions like, you know, my daddy can beat your daddy up. My mama's better than your mama. You know what I mean? And we get into stuff like that. And the disciples were into a discussion that it was like, hey, who ranks first in the kingdom? You know, come on, you know. Because, you know, I could see Peter going, you know what, Lord, I, I defend you. You know, I should be first. And I could see John saying, Lord, you know I love you. I, I laid my head on your bosom on the, on, on the past, during the Passover meal, and you called me the beloved, and, and it was always referred to in the Bible as the one that Jesus loved. Now, why would you like that? Wait a minute. She's being called the one that Jesus loved. The word doesn't refer to me as one that Jesus loved. So they're having this discussion, and these disciples are talking, and they're saying, who's ranking first in the kingdom? I want, I want to be, I want to rank higher than somebody else. So let's just pick it up with, with verse 1. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called to a child. You get this word picture? He calls to this child, and he set himself before him. And he said, truly I say to you, unless you are converted... That, mean, that literally means to be reversed or to be turned around. And become like children, you're not even going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He's given the disciples a parable, but he's got an illustrated sermon, right? Because he brings this child and he sets him before him, and I could see him with this child looking at the disciples and saying, unless you become like him, you're not going to even be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles themselves of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Verse 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. This is our Jesus, our little hippie with a little sheepy under his arm. 
I mean, we y'all been there? Sunday school lesson, you got him. He's, you know, he's a hippie with a little sheepy under his arm, and he's just an old gentle guy, and he's just really doing it, and he's going, you know what? If, if, if you cause him to stumble, you're going to have a millstone hung around your deck, and you're going to be thrown into the depths of the sea. And you know, it's like, oh, what happened to our nice Jesus? <laughs> what happened to him? But he, was, he began to shift his conversation. They were talking about the rank in the kingdom, and now all of a sudden he begins to shift his conversation, and he talks about stumbling. And for a little bit, if you get a chance, write this down. Matthew chapter 13, verse 41, and we may go there real quick. But in verse 7, he says, Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks. So now he's not only been talking about the kingdom of God, but he's talking about a stumbling block. Hold it right there. Let's just go to Matthew chapter 13. Is it okay if we just look in the Word real quick? Matthew chapter 13, verse 41. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness. Ooh, all right? So Jesus is talking about the stumbling blocks. It's inevitable that stumbling blocks will come. Verse 7 in chapter 18. But woe to that man with whom the stumbling block comes. And he goes on to say, you know, if your, if your hand causes you to sin, you'd be better off cutting it off. Now, I don't know about you, but my hand has caused me to sin. But I still got it. I just can't get to cutting that thing off. Are you with me? I think if I did, they'd put me somewhere else. I'd never go, well, you know what you do? You cut your hand off. Why'd you cut your hand off? Because it's causing me to sin. So he goes into this whole teaching that you'd better throw it away from you, take out your eye, and then, then to enter into the kingdom with it on. And, and, and it comes into verse 10, he says, See that you did not despise one of these little ones. Who's Jesus talking about? He's still talking about these children. He's still sitting there talking about this child in which he said, Don't cause him to stumble. In other words, be of good character, be of good morals. Be of a good example to these little ones. Are you with me? Y'all getting this? He says, I want you to do that. And he says, do not despise one of these little ones. He says, that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. And then verse 11, it says, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What is that which was lost? Now, some of you, my Bible has it in parentheses. Some of you might have an international version, and it doesn't even list it in there, because that was added, that was added by the interpreter. So turn with me to Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Luke 19, 10. Could it have been that they were talking and had a discussion about the kingdom of heaven and who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus has got this little, little guy up here, and he's saying, you know what? If you're going to have to become like him, you're going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Then he goes into the stumbling blocks, and he's still talking about children. Then he says that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. Could it be that the, that is the kingdom? See, a lot of times we've, we've heard people misquote the Scripture. They come to seek and save those which were lost. It doesn't say those. It says that. Say that. Okay. Now look at Luke. What did I tell you? Chapter 19, verse 10. 
Luke 19.10. Everybody there? Say, I'm there. Anybody not? Say, I'm not. I'm not. No, I am. I love this. Man, I'm telling you, I am understanding this kingdom stuff. I'm getting a revelation of the kingdom of God. It's more than just salvation. It includes all of that. And it includes more than that. Here's what it includes. We're going to go back up to Luke chapter 19 and the previous verses. And there is a parable. Well, it's not a parable. Jesus is walking along and he's healing people. He just got through healing blind Bartimaeus. They said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And he said, you know, what do you want me to do? And he's like, heal me. And he healed him. He healed him. The blind received their sight. Amen. And then he is going through uh, Jericho. They're on their way to Jerusalem, I think, and they're going through Jericho. And as he gets through into Jericho, there is Zacchaeus. And how many of you know, I like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. You remember the little song that it, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he? Come here, shorty. Why do you like Zacchaeus so much? Because I'm a wee little man. Amen? So, so you look at this. Now, I want you to understand, we are getting a hold of the kingdom of God. And it's totally being sold out in every area in your life for God. Are you with me? Every area. Zacchaeus, who's a tax collector. Now, let me give you a little history behind these tax collectors. What they were able to do is that they were able to go and collect tax. And when, they, uh, when, when the tax collector came to Mr. Jerry Brace and Jerry owed a dollar tax, he'd say, I want $3. And he would get $3. And he would pay the dollar tax to the Roman government and he would keep the other two bucks. Are you with me? They were legal extortionists. Hello? That's what, when you look and you read the scripture that that they refer to, you know, tax collectors, that's what they were referring to. You know, they were the mafia of that day. The mob. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody from Chicago here? Hey, my name's Vito. I'm going to veto you, eh? I need my money, eh? You owe the Roman government a dollar. I want three dollars. You pay me now or you meet Shorty. Huh? Are you with me? But Zacchaeus was a little guy, so you know he had to have somebody backing him up. <laughs> and it was the Roman government. It was the Roman emperor that was backing him up, the Roman army. So Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Now, I'm just bringing you up to this. Is it okay if we just kind of step into the word a moment? We step into it, and Jesus is walking to Jericho, and he sees Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus climbs up in a, a sycamore tree. He climbs up. And he sees Jesus, you know, here comes Jesus with his entourage. And Zacchaeus is up in the tree. And, and then J- Jesus looks up and he sees him and he says, Hey, Zacchaeus, you better come down from there because I'm going to your house. I'm staying in your house. Are you with me? So let's just pick that up. Let's just look at it. Uh, verse 5, 19.5. Luke 19.5. And Jesus came to the place where he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down for today. I must stay at your house. And he hurried and he came down and he received him gladly. Say gladly. Gladly. You know, she talked about giving tithes and offerings. She was talking about doing it gladly or cheerfully. And he hurried and he came down and he received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble saying, 
Man, he's gone to be the guest of who is a, a man who's a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half this is kingdom living. Do you think he got a relationship with God? Do you think he met God? How, how many of y'all think he met God? I think he met God. Is that all that thinks he met God? I believe he met God. And what happened when he met God? It says, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I'll give to the poor. And I have, if I have defrauded anybody of anything, I'm going to pay him back four times as much. Woohoo! That's kingdom. That's restoration. That's going in and saying, hey, you know what? I've defrauded you, ma'am, but I'm going to pay you that dollar. I'm going to give you five instead. And saying, ooh, that's good. You don't think that made an impact on the people that he went back to? He gave half of what he had to the poor. He didn't give it all. But the Bible says he gave half of what he said. I'll give half of what I got to the poor. And I'm going to give anybody back four times if I've defrauded them. If I've taken advantage of them. Because God, you've come into my heart. You've come into my home. You've brought salvation. You've brought the kingdom of God. Is now ascended on the Zacchaeus household. And things have changed. And God, my heart is open to you now. So I'm going to, if I've defrauded, if I've hurt anybody, I'm going to give them back four times as much. How many of you were kind of glad? If you owed Zacchaeus at that time, you'd be saying, Hallelujah! If Zacchaeus was your tax collector, Hallelujah! See, it's not, it's, not, it's, it's not unusual for things to change when they give their life to Christ. Are you with me? Let me say this slowly. Things should change when you give your life to Christ. It's the kingdom. Let's keep going. And verse 9, Jesus has said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. See, a son of God wasn't established then yet. He couldn't become a son of God. He was, he was the son of Abraham. Because Christ had the death, burial, and the resurrection allowed us to become the son of God. Come on, somebody. You with me? So it hasn't happened yet, but he used, because you're a son of something. You're a son of somebody. And you look at him, and it's the son of, the son of Isaiah, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah. Anybody ever read through the lineage stuff? It's like this. This guy's the son of this guy, and he's the son of that guy, and he's the son of that guy, and the son of this guy, and the son of that guy. And you just, you're reading through it, and you're thinking, wow. Zacchaeus was the son of Abraham. And look at verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. I want us to know what the, what the assignment of Jesus was. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. And this is good. If you get a chance to read this, man, meditate on this. This is some good stuff. Colossians 1, 13. He rescued us from the dominion or domain of darkness and transferred us into his kingdom of Come on, yeah, oh, yeah, let's look at this. Look up on the screen. Everybody read this together. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. 
Woo! Come on, how many of you know that's a connection with God? The King James Version says that I think the kingdom of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Oh, come on. You were dark and now you're light. Come on. You, 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 your, your thoughts and your mind was a little cloudy, but now it's supposed to be clearer. Amen? He's transferred us. There's a transformation that has taken place. A shifting that has taken place. I'm no longer I'm in the dark. Now I'm walking in the light. See, I'm walking in the light for He is in the light. Can I get an amen? So He's transferred us. From Jesus' assignment was to transfer us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. (laughs) That's what his assignment was. To restore us, to put us back in right relationship. Can I get an amen? amen? See, when you change governments, the power in that old government don't work no more. And it takes a kingdom to overthrow a kingdom. Come on. It takes a kingdom to overthrow a kingdom. See, when you read through the Word of God, you're going to find out when, there's, when you look at some kingdom scriptures. And I began to start thinking about, you know, when Jesus was in front of Pilate, he was very quiet. He answered the, the, the Kephias, the he answered the priests, he answered those that were bringing accusations against him. And then he was, he was in front of Pilate, and, and, and all of a sudden he began to clam up. And how many of you know, he even went to... Uh, to, to uh, uh, Herodias, I think, the, the, the governor over um, Pilate. And he didn't say a word to him. And he was like, I was kind of hoping to see you. Can you do some miracles and signs and wonders for me? You know, like kind of a magician kind of thing. Jesus didn't even answer him. But when Pilate began to start talking about the kingdom, he began to start talking about, you, you don't understand. I got the authority that you can live or you can die. Jesus says, you got no authority, but it's given to you by my father. Come on, somebody. All of a sudden, he started talking because he understood that Pilate heard about the kingdom and he knew the kingdom. He said, don't you understand? I'm a thumbs up or a thumbs down on you, brother. You better start talking to me now. Tell me what's going on, what you've done. And all of a sudden, it started to begin to happen. Now, I don't know what happened, but the Bible says after that that Pilate tried to do everything he could to release Jesus. I don't know if something shook him. To the core of his bones. You can read this in the book of John. And, I, and you know what? Under that, when he was, when he was speaking to Pilate under that, he, he said, you know what? He said, that's why my servants are not fighting. He wasn't talking about Peter when he took the sword and he cut off his ear. Remember he cut off Malchus's ear? He cut off that ear. He pulled out that sword. He said, Lord, I'm not going to take you. He said, you know, that's why my servants aren't fighting. He was talking about it because when you go back and you look at the scriptures where he was talking to Peter, he said, Peter, stop. Don't you understand? I got uh, uh, 12 legions of angels that I can call down and wipe this thing out. And he said, I'm not going to do it. That's what Jesus was referring to when he was talking to Pilate. He said, don't you understand? I got the servants. It was like paraphrasing. I could call them down. They could wipe you out. Something happened in the bones of Pilate that he says, I don't want nothing to do with this. Remember the dream that, it, that, uh, that, uh, that I believe God gave uh, Pilate's wife? And she came back to him and said, you better not touch this dude. You better not touch him since some bad things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. Amen? See, God's program was this, very simply. God's program was for the unseen of God to be in the unseen of man 
to rule in the body which is seen on the scene. It's the unseen into the unseen, in the seen, on the scene. It's the invisible of God and the invisible of the Spirit of the living God that's inside of you to rule in this body, this physical, visible body on the visible scene. It's the invisible to the invisible into the visible into the visible. Is that visible? Is that divisible? Do you understand that? That's what Christ came to restore. That was his assignment to seek and save that which was lost. To bring us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Oh, hallelujah. That's what God was, that's what he was up to. I'm almost done. See, when you change governments, the power, power just doesn't work anymore. I began to start thinking about the Holy Spirit. And I think a lot about the Holy Spirit. And I began to look through the Scriptures, and you could see where the Spirit of God came upon somebody in the Old Testament. He came upon somebody. He came upon Elijah, and he did some tremendous things, didn't he? And he left. He came upon Samson, and he got strong. And he killed a bunch of Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. That'd be something to see, wouldn't it? Samson was a bad dude. But he was bad when the Spirit of God came on him, but the Spirit of God didn't stay. He came upon Jacob, and he did something great. He came upon Enoch, and he did something great. He came upon Gideon, and he gave him courage, and he did something great. He came upon Josiah, and he did something great. Why? Why? The Spirit of God came upon them, but he didn't come in them. See, because how many of you know that there was, he was looking for a most holy vessel? The Spirit of God, listen, stay with me, fight this thing through. The Spirit of God was looking for a most holy vessel, and that holy vessel came in the form of Jesus Christ. At the time Jesus came, you never hear about the Holy Spirit doing other things in the earth because all the ghosts of the Holy Ghost was in Jesus. Woo-hoo-hoo! Hallelujah! The Holy Ghost was in Him. And then He said, I gotta go. Because if I don't go, then the Father won't send a comforter. He won't send the Spirit of the living God. He won't send Him to come and dwell within you. So I'm going to purify you. I'm going to take these things on my shoulder. The sin that this nation has committed, the sin that is, has, has gotten to God, I now I'm going to take that and I'm going to wrap myself in that, that, that darkness. I'm going to wrap myself in that sin, that destruction. Those things, I'm going to wrap myself in it. And he, he, he overcame death hell and the grave and how many of you know he took that cloak off and it was the cloak of God he was clothed in righteousness somebody say righteousness so what was the assignment of Jesus we begin to see where Jesus continued to move on the earth his ultimate assignment was was to get the Holy Ghost back in you his assignment was to bring the connection say connection to bring the connection of the kingdom. Jesus' number one goal was not to raise the dead. He did that. His number one goal was not to heal the sick, although he did that. His number one goal was, was not to just give everybody that was blind sight, although he did that. Amen? His number one goal was not to cast out demons, although he did that. His number one goal was to give you that connection back to God, was to connect the kingdom of God so we can operate in those ways and the Holy Spirit can be in us and with us. Somebody say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, that's the connection that he gave. Let me give you these, these four points real quick. Everything you need, everything you need is in the Holy Spirit. 
Everything you need is in the Holy Spirit. He is the connection that connects you to that government. The assignment of Jesus was number one. The purpose of Jesus was the kingdom on earth in the hearts of men. The message of Jesus was a message of a kingdom from heaven on earth. You see that okay? Number two. The message of Jesus was a message of the kingdom from heaven on earth. Number three. Jesus came to restore these kings who lost their kingship and their kingdom. That's you. And number four. He came to bring back the kingdom connection. He came to bring back the kingdom connection. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Can we leave? I'll leave those up for you. You guys can copy those down. 1 John chapter 3. The purpose of Jesus was a kingdom on earth in the hearts of men. The message of Jesus was a message of the kingdom from heaven on earth. Jesus came to restore these kings who lost their kingship and their kingdom. And number four, he came to bring the connection of the kingdom. Restore that connection that was lost. Genesis 1.26. He's given us dominion, authority, rulership, kingdom in the earth. Over the birds of the sea and the fish of the... Uh, birds of the sea. The birds of the air and the fish of the sea. And over every living thing that creeps and crawls along the ground. First John chapter 3, verse 8. Anybody there? The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. Check this out. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. To destroy the works of the devil. Not just to hurt him a little bit, but to destroy the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the devil. Say it with me. Destroy the works of the devil. Again. Destroy the works of the devil. Again. Destroy the works of the devil. The Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil. Connect us back to the kingdom of God. Now guess who's destroying the works of the devil? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are. Because you're a son of God. Come on. It takes a kingdom to overthrow a kingdom. Are you with me? It takes a kingdom to overthrow a kingdom. A kingdom to overthrow a kingdom. And he came to destroy the works of the devil. I'm telling you what. I don't know about you, but maybe all hell might be breaking out in your life. And you know why? Probably because you're destroying the works of the devil. All I want to tell you is this. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep moving forward. Keep destroying the works of the devil. Stay out of sin. When you sin, quickly repent. Come on. Quickly repent and don't go back and do it anymore. Come on, somebody. Because when you do that, guess what you're doing? You are destroying the works of the devil. You're destroying the works of the devil. So very clearly, what was the assignment of Jesus? Was to connect us back to God. 
And when we connect back to God and bring the kingdom in, then it destroys the works of the devil. And that excites me. What? And I saw that example in Zacchaeus. Do you know with him paying back somebody four times, that was destroying the works of the devil? Today, I watched people destroy the works of the devil. Over $37,000 today was shredded for personal debt. Let's give the Lord some praise. Amen? $37,000. All I know is that's a pretty good salary a year. (laughs) And today, we destroyed the works of the devil. Amen? Say this, in the name of Jesus. I am a son of God. I'm an ambassador. I'm a citizen in the kingdom. I'm joint heirs with Jesus. He came to connect me to the kingdom of God. I am joint heirs with him. And I have authority with him. And I take that authority to destroy the works of the devil. Devil, go. Now, in Jesus' name, give him some praise in this house. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Amen. Stand up. I'm going to ask Pastor Jerry to come and, and dismiss us.